Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down, not at all. Find out when the cannons explode. Boom! It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast. I'm Dave Richmond, along with my good buddy Bubba Rosenbaum. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Dave. It's a hot Sunday afternoon here in the western part of the state. By the way, before I forget, because I was just telling you right before our pre-show meeting and you were laughing at me, um, but another idea we had for our show. Happy birthday, 25 years young for Bubba Rosenbaum, and plus a few years, but I'll, I'll go with 25. How are you? Happy birthday. Doing well. It's 25 plus 14. Uh, hard, hard, to be- <laughs> hard to believe, like I was telling one of my friends this morning, uh, he wished me a happy birthday, and I said, I said I appreciate it, but it's, it's hard to believe that uh, you know, 40's only a year away and that I've had more life since high school than before. I do have a question. Is uh, Stacy going to trade you in? That's uh, Bubba's wife, folks. If you don't know, is she going to trade you in at forty? Or are you worried that she's going to get a new yeah, model she, after? Yeah, I think uh, I think I have. Uh, I guess exactly three hundred sixty-five days to uh, get things together. Otherwise, I'm going to be uh, on the chopping block. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Stacy's awesome, and uh, I know she's a fan of the podcast. We love you, Stacy. So, Bubba, after the show, you can uh, play it back for us, so she knows that we. Kyle and I do love her. Kyle's on assignment, so I uh, just want to let he'll be back with us on the next show. So he's not, uh, don't worry anybody, he's not suspended. We love him and uh, obviously do. Hey, Bubba, by the way, before we do our quick roundtable, we got an awesome guest, don't we? Yeah, we do. And um, we caught up with, you'll hear him uh, in just a moment, Shane Thomas. Um, Pirates received a commitment uh, uh, from Javante Sherman out of Valdosta, Georgia. So, um, I started doing my homework and uh, reached out to um, the Valdosta Daily Times and Shane Thomas. Uh, he is a beat writer there and uh, has covered Javante Sherman for a year or more now. So he knows a lot about him and very excited to, to hear about the latest Pirate recruit, uh, Javante Sherman, and then also a guy that uh, is currently crystal balled to ECU with Jalen Alderman. Uh, Jalen Alderman's a Six one, two hundred fifteen pound linebacker that also has an offer from the likes of Louisville thus far, but he's currently uh, projected to be a pirate. So hopefully that will pan out that way. And our roundtable, we'll talk in just a little bit about recruiting with Mike Houston. Wow, wow, wow! Um, all across the board is all I got to say there, Bubba. We, um, I'm just really excited about our show. I want to tell fans that first of all, before we get started with our roundtable. Uh, thanks to all of them. They are, our show is growing leaps and bounds. I appreciate everybody with, uh, everybody has, uh, you know, I was telling a friend they were trying to equate our Facebook live and being live on YouTube with our YouTube channel. And I told him it's kind of like radio when uh, there were a lot of shows on radio and they went to television. Um, that's what we're doing now. Uh, we're doing our traditional podcast like we're doing today. And then when we do a show on Facebook live and YouTube for the people that tell me they listen to their car in their car or they listen while they're working or whatever or working out uh, like many people do then we till we still release them as podcasts so um, I've had a couple people ask me their friends in the business ask me if we're ditching the whole 
as far as podcasts and doing Facebook Live and YouTube. And while that will be a great idea, I just want to let people know we're we're not going anywhere. We'll continue to be um, to release it as a podcast. But this is the show is uh, it's, it's just that it's a show. So it doesn't matter if it's a, uh, released as a podcast, like some radio shows or whatever. Um, we have the means to do Facebook Live and and YouTube. And I want to acknowledge you for all your hard work for um, the YouTube channel was something I wanted in the very beginning. And you took the um, took the reins, so to speak, on many things, but including YouTube, and um, set everything up. And you've been uh, like a big player behind the scenes for a lot of things. But YouTube was one of those that. And then recently, because of COVID uh, nineteen, one of the good things about COVID nineteen, and there's not many, is uh, our having to use Facebook Live more and more. And, and of course, being on our live uh, on live on YouTube as well, and our YouTube channel. And then we have. Uh, all right, the great folks at StreamYard helps us out with being able to bring that to you guys. But I just wanted to take – I don't take enough time normally with a show to thank everybody, Bubba, and it just means a lot to me. You and Kyle, I appreciate you guys very much for all your hard work. And then, of course, uh, our listeners, uh, they they make it fun to to keep doing it. And um, another thing I hear, and then I'm going to start a roundtable, I promise, is uh, all the time I hear a lot of compliments from people that I barely know um, you, you start to know that things are going well when people you don't know, uh, when they find out that <laughs> about that we do the podcast, they they already listen to it. So appreciate it very much and uh, spread the word for us. And Bubba, before we do the roundtable too, I wanted to mention in the beginning of the show uh, we're we're getting ready to talk about season tickets. But tell everybody about our big. It was your baby, your idea. So I'm gonna pitch it to you on our season t- ticket sweepstakes. A really big deal. I'm really proud of that, and uh, it's been going well so far. So can you tell people how they can win a pair of tickets for the 2020 season? Yeah, giving away two East Carolina football season tickets, of course, six home games, tremendous home schedule. Um, we're giving these away via our Twitter and Facebook platforms, um, and um, you can go to either of those platforms on Twitter. It's at the Sports OBJ. Check out our pinned tweets and our, our pinned tweet details, um, the contests and all the information, the four different ways you can put your name in the hat, which is um, on Twitter by following um, and also retweeting, and then uh, obviously on Facebook um, by sharing the pin posts and then also uh, liking and following our Facebook page. And then on YouTube, if you subscribe there and screenshot it and then uh, reply either on Twitter or Facebook with that screenshot, that will get your name in the hat a third time. And then a fourth way is to just uh, subscribe wherever you listen, whether it's Apple podcast, uh, audio boom, you name it, and then screenshot that and, uh, reply and respond with it on either Twitter or Facebook, and that will put your name into the hat a fourth time to have uh, an even greater chance of winning these season tickets. Very excited about it. By the way, the uh, I, w- I wanted to tell you this, Bubba, um, a nice transition here, uh, and uh, SEG, if you will. Uh, we actually, I was talking to someone that works at East Carolina. They told me they're uh, very appreciative of everything that people love our podcast, obviously in the Ward Sports building, believe it or not. And that they were really excited when I told them about season tickets that we bought a pair. They were unfamiliar. They don't get always there. Uh, people listen to our show, but obviously it's uh, crazy to think <laughs> that everybody gets the you know chance to listen to every episode. That's crazy. Uh, that would be nice to think, but they're very excited that we're trying really hard to. Um, that's the whole purpose of Bubba and Kyle and I. Um, 
had about the season tickets. And then Bubba came up, obviously, with a great job with the promotion. And Bubba transitioning now to the very thing of season tickets. I'm very excited about um, if you didn't watch our on face speaking of Facebook Live and YouTube, um, we do the trivia every Friday night. Bubba works his tail off of that, so another thing to thank you about. But um, we, I, my understanding, Bubba, we're at, I was told um, behind the scenes, that person that works in East Carolina, so I do have a source. I'm not making it up. I always tell you when it's opinion or rumors are here, but this is a fact. I'm very excited that we're a week. Uh, it only, we went from 5,300 to close to 7,000 in one week. We'll yeah, it, yeah. As of um, as of the previous Friday, like you mentioned, we were fifty three oh five, I believe, to be exact. And then, as of uh, this Friday, June the fifth, we were at um, right around seven thousand, or maybe just over seven thousand. So, uh, excellent news! Uh, increase of right around seventeen hundred in, in a week, and uh, here we are. Um, the priority deadline is Wednesday, June the tenth, and again, the priority deadline just means. Um, in order for you to get the best seat available with those season tickets or to get them where you've had them or to get, um, if you haven't had them in the past, get the best um, possible seat, um, you need to make that Pirate Club contribution and buy those season tickets by Wednesday. Um, you can certainly join the Pirate Club, and also you can certainly buy season tickets after Wednesday, but uh, they just will not be um, at the priority location like they will be if you're able to do so in the next three days. Yeah, and by the way, folks, Bubba, you and I and Kyle, we brought up a great point previously, but I want to reiterate since uh, this podcast is being released, that it should be Sunday night or Monday. Um, folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. You know I'm not one to scare you, but with the way things the COVID has been, do not wait. Do not wait because, Bubba, you brought an excellent point. I'm being really optimistic. Um, the stadium holds over 50,000 people. I was saying I was hoping for twenty-five thousand. I don't. Obviously, I don't think we're going to get fifty thousand. That's just a huge stretch at this point. Um, but it would be a stretch, I think, to have twenty-five thousand. And you, you think we may even only have twelve, right? Or potentially. Yeah, I, and and that's certainly no inside knowledge. That's just kind of right. basing it on things you're seeing around the country as far as the way NFL teams and and so forth are planning to to have maybe 25 to 50% of their stadium. Uh, one that comes to mind is the Miami Dolphins, something they put out in the last two to three weeks. But um, let's say if it was 25% of uh, Dowdy Ficklin, then that's going to be, probably, I guess, what right around 12.5, 12.7, something like that. So you think about that, and we're already at 7,000 season tickets, which that sounds crazy to say we're already at 7,000 season tickets. But <laughs> but um, it's funny how, how situations will change your perspective because um, 7,000 <laughs> relative to where we have been is very good. But uh, – Sorry, I guess someone has a bro broken horn here in uh, Rowan County and driving by my house. But uh, okay. I couldn't hear it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, as far as the premium that's being placed on the season tickets, pretty crazy to to think that seven thousand is a great number. But it, like Dave mentioned, this this is a huge a huge deal because in addition to those season tickets, you also have. You have uh, student tickets, you have faculty tickets, and you have you have uh, tickets for recruits, and there's so many tickets that coaches, you have to, coaches. yeah, yeah, co maybe, uh, who knows, coaches, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm sure they may limit those 
Um, but I'm sure they would still offer some. Well, well that remains to be seen. But uh, the bottom line is uh, that season ticket, um, the premium for it could be almost like it was back in uh, the days where where we were selling 23,500 season right. tickets or so because uh, the, the reduced capacity. So make sure you get those season tickets. And it, it could be that the capacity is so low if it's 12,700. If we sell 8,000 season tickets and it may be with those other tickets that have to be accounted for that even those 8,000 don't get to attend every game. And that would be very interesting to see how they would do that to say, okay, you can attend four games or three games or, or how that would be done. Yeah. And, uh, and Bubba and Kyle and I actually have been in discussions of, um, obviously things we're going to be doing for, you know, there's a, I always joke about R and D, but, um, if you, we actually believe it or not, sometimes it doesn't sound like we play on the show. Um, but we do. And, uh, that's one of the things we're going to have to look at as far as the hat of being, um, someone that follows the program, uh, having our own show and what are we going to do with that? And then what happens if this and this and this It's a lot of intricate details that normally we would never have to think about. So we'll keep our eyes on that season tickets though. Um, by the way, folks, if you're listening, you can call 1-800-DIAL-ECU if you like to me, and you. I love to talk to people, so um, I, I can obviously use a computer, but <laughs> I like when it comes to my season tickets, and tickets generally, if I can, I like to talk to somebody over the phone. Or if you're comfortable with going online, you can go to ecupirates.com. You can buy your tickets anytime, and I'm telling you folks, I'm not trying to scare you. We don't. That's not the kind of show we do. But I'm telling you, Bubba was right on the money about that. He, he's probably he's the numbers guy. And if you don't get your tickets, I'm telling you, um, you're going to be disappointed. And we don't want Pirate fans to be disappointed as far as uh, we need the home field advantage, so to speak. And, and when the crowd gets rocking and Dowdy Ficklin, man, it's, it's loud. And uh, hopefully we can have more than that. But I think that he... He's done his homework and research about different people and the different from college football and pro football. And he's, I think he, if the, in other words, the number of 12 or 13,000 may be closer than what I'm, I'm extremely optimistic of 25. Speaking of which, Bubba, uh, being optimistic, I'm going to say this real quick and then we'll get to some more topics I know you want to talk about. Of course, we've got the, um, we can pitch it, I guess, in a few minutes to, um, do that and then come back and talk a little bit more, but, to our great guest, uh, Shane will be with us in just a minute. But um, for me, I don't know what it is. Maybe I've been drinking, um, not alcohol, but the Kool-Aid <laughs> for Mike Houston. But I've had to work overnights in my job the last couple nights, as you know. And I just had a, it was about, I get sent you an email at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, I just have a feeling, I don't know why, um, but I just have a feeling we're going to win six games this year. And I know people probably think that I'm the, the craziest guy in the world. Don't get me wrong. I don't think we're going to win 12 games, but I, I really think we're going to be a bubble team as far as going to a bowl. And I really think we get there. Um, I really like, and we'll talk about him, but look at Blake Harrell, the job he's doing recruiting. Um, we can talk about that. If you want to go ahead, you want to go ahead and talk to recruiting and then pitch it to Shane. Yeah. And you mentioned that name, Blake Harrell, Blake, of course, the new defense coordinator for the Pirates. And, um, he last year was at Kennesaw State down in Georgia. And, um, Coach Harrell is the primary recruiter for Javante Sherman. And so not surprisingly, um, with him having those Georgia ties, uh, he, he is, of course, recruiting that area and uh, was 
a big part of helping land Javante Sherman. Uh, it was him, and then the secondary recruiter was Drew Dudzik, who was, right. of course, uh, one of our receivers' coaches. And so, um, and then in addition to um, Blake Harrell being that primary recruiter for Javante Sherman, uh, something else I was going to mention before we pitch it to Shane Thomas, um, go ahead and uh, – do you want to go ahead and promote some of our upcoming content, like our Pat Dye tribute, or we'll, we'll do that after the interview? Let's uh, let's go to him, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about our uh, we'll talk about our content. I'm very excited, folks! Uh, Pat Dye show. We've got that on Wednesday night in Lamont Chapel. Um, it's going to be big, and that'll be um, Tuesday night in the Pat Dye show Wednesday night. We'll talk more about that. Do you want to go to Shane now? Yeah, let's catch up with Shane Thomas uh, from the Valdosta Daily Times. Uh, he's been with them for a few years now, a 2015 alum of Valdosta State. And uh, let's go to that convo with Shane right now. Well, one thing's for certain. We certainly see that Mike Houston and company for the coaching staff at East Carolina, the football team, is doing a great job recruiting. We're seeing that as uh, time and time again on the recruiting trail. And, Bubba, this is a huge one we got uh, recently huge commit for East Carolina for the Pirates. Yeah, on Thursday afternoon, the Pirates got their first commitment for the 2021 class on the offensive side. Third commitment overall, Javante Sherman, very talented wide receiver out of Valdosta High down in Valdosta, Georgia. And right now, to uh, talk about Javante, uh, beat writer for the Valdosta Daily Times. So we'll welcome into the program, Shane Thomas. Shane, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks a lot. I'm glad that you guys are having me. No doubt about it. We're very excited about this pickup for Javante Sherman. I just wanted to ask you, Shane, I know that you're down there, um, this local product for you. Uh, what, what is East Carolina? What are the Pirates getting uh, this great, sounds like a great wide receiver? I think, he's, I think honestly, he's one of the best, uh, best wide receivers in the state. Um, he was an all-state receiver, um, you know, caught, you know, had over 1,000 yards and, you know, really had a breakout year. I mean, he, he kind of went into the year as a guy that, you know, he may not have been on a whole lot of people's radar. Um, and then um, the big receiver, uh, Jaheim Bell, that, that's going to South Carolina, that was the number one guy going into the season. And, you know, maybe I think five games in, he, he tears his ACL, and suddenly Javante Sherman is, is kind of the go-to guy. And he really took that in stride and, and really embraced that and, and went from being kind of that, that number two guy that was, you know, very productive to the guy that's that's suddenly like, you know, the guy at Valdosta in terms of, of the receiving core. So, um, you know, a guy that, that's that's grown up a lot, um, a guy that's that's uh, taking coaching better and, and, and really becoming a leader, you know, on the field and in practice. And and, and those, those adjustments that he's made from a mental standpoint and how he approaches the game is, has really kind of helped him, you know, get into, you know, you know, now, you know, committing to Eastern Carolina and, and heading into a senior year with, with a chance to, to really put a, a big stamp on his on his high school career. Yeah, you talk about that season that he had a year ago, 53 catches for um, more than 1,100 yards. And uh, watching some of his film, um, his knack for making competitive catches, and if it was in his area, it seemed like more often than not he's going to come down with it. Yeah, like he's 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 a guy. He's long. He's a, he's really athletic. He's fast. Um, a guy that that can can make guys miss. And I mean, obviously, you know, with the with those fifty three catches, I mean, he he averaged almost twenty two yards per catch. So I mean, that's that's unheard of. And and the fact that he's you know he's he's so he's able to just go and get it. 
um, you know, it had had a quarterback that could get it to him and 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 showed his playmaking ability. I think um, I think just that that almost 22 yards a catch kind of speaks to what he's able to do once you get the ball in his area. And uh, something else, I know we talked about this before we started recording on the way he could catch a slant route or a short pass, like you're saying, and um, he's he's dangerous in in space, and he he would uh, he'd take an 80 or 90 to the house on on those short underneath stuff yeah and, and and that's the thing like a guy that can that can catch it deep and, and, and across the field um Velas's passing game was was pretty prolific this year and he was a big reason why so um i think Houston Carolina is getting getting a, a very good player um you know once once he once he gets there and i think he'll have an impact right away and Shane i saw that i'm looking here at 24/7 our friend Stephen Igo from Hoist of Colors uh, it looks like that he's uh, obviously committed to East Carolina. Also, offers from Akron, App State, Cincinnati, and Coastal Carolina. So uh, that, we, that I say right here on the board. So it uh, looks like you had a decent amount of offers, right? Yeah, tons. I mean, both both he and um, and their linebacker Jalen Alderman. I think they both pulled in uh, easily double digit offers. I think I think Javante had somewhere close to twenty five. Uh, I think Jalen had 15, and probably was still racking some in. So, um, yeah, those, those guys had a lot of got a lot of attention, and and um, you know it's good that he it's good that you guys were able to get him because he was starting to he was starting to pull in some some pretty crazy ones. I think the last one he got uh, June 1st was Washington State. Um, so he, uh, he he definitely didn't have a shortage for suitors. That's for sure. Yeah, you talk about some of those offers. I uh, noticed and had an offer from Tennessee, like you miss, mentioned, Washington State. Um, First-year coach with Nick Rolovich coming in from Hawaii, and then Wake Forest, who's been pretty solid uh, recently, and then a uh, host of uh, American Athletic Conference programs like Memphis, Cincinnati, UCF, and then also USF. So, and uh, I want to say he had close to 25 offers at this point. So uh, hopefully the Pirates will be able to uh, retain that commitment and have him sign in December. But um, another guy you mentioned that we wanted to talk about with you, or actually before we get to that, uh, one of the things that uh, Javante Sherman said that really drew him to East Carolina that I failed to mention is um, just, one, the relationship with the coaching staff, but then also guys like Zay Jones, and Justin Hardy, um, one and two respectively in FBS as far as all-time catches and I think 399 and 387. And uh, those guys are playing in the in the NFL right now uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders. And then also Justin Hardy's um, looking to sign on with somebody. He's spent the last few years with the Falcons, as I'm sure you know. But uh, and, and tell us a little what you know as far as uh, maybe what you had seen um, as far as the relationship that Javante Sherman had built with Blake Carroll and the East Carolina coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, from from when I, I spoke to him the other day and you know, he just said that, you know, the coaching staff just made him feel really comfortable. Um, you know, he said that, you know, they were kind of they let it they let it be known early that they wanted him and um, you know, just, just how he could fit in the offense and, you know, knowing that they throw the ball around a lot and, and guys that have gone to the NFL, obviously that's a dream that, that he wants and uh, he said he said you know being a being a wide receiver in the Eastern Carolina offense would you know any receiver would you know die to be in that situation so um just just how how comfortable they made him feel and 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 how he would fit you know once he gets there and Shane at East Carolina we have the uh a nickname I think it was uh, Bubba maybe be able to help me uh, um, I think it was started to give credit at someone at East at uh 
ESPN, uh, but we're known as Wide Receiver U. I don't know why the university, one of the things we've been always talking about is uh, why they don't cash in and have uh, T-shirts made up to say Wide Receiver U, but that's a whole other show, as they say. Um, but as far as uh, where we're getting, uh, one thing that makes me so proud for our university is the fact that with this new coaching staff, we hear time and time again how they were early on with a recruit. But it seems like, a, uh, to me, it seems like a common theme that we're hearing over and over again, that the commitment that our coaching staff, they were on them early, and the relationship that they made, which is obvious with recruiting, uh, is about relationships, just like if you're doing sales or anything else, it's about the relationships you make. And it's it's really cool to see this day and age that a lot of guys that we're getting, uh, football, basketball, baseball, the like, that they're saying it's the relationships they're, they're having with the coaches at East Carolina. Yeah, sure. And uh, when we, we had Coach Houston um, on the program back in early May, and he said that's been one of the advantages of this terrible situation we're in right now with COVID-19 is that he and the staff were able to get like six to eight weeks ahead of where they would have been recruiting-wise, um, building these relationships with these young men. So, And it's certainly uh, paying off with a commitment from a guy like Javante Sherman. Uh, another guy I wanted to ask you about is Jalen Alderman, a 6'1", 215-pound linebacker uh, right now. Uh, it seems as though Louisville and East Carolina are the top two on this list. And Stephen Igo of Hoist the Colors on um, 24-7 Sports has crystal balled him right now to East Carolina. So um, tell us what you know about Jalen. I also know that he has an offer from App State, uh, a program that's in East Carolina's league like Tulane. Uh, so uh, what what can you tell about tell us about uh, Jalen Alderman? Yeah, so he's he's a, he's the leader of he was the leader of Valdosta's defense. Um, you know, at the linebacker position, um, you know, defensively that was a that was a big thing for them. You know, the year before, I think, well, two years ago, they they had probably the worst defense they'd ever had at Valdosta. You know, and coming from Valdosta, the team that you know used to have legendary defenses and you know all that. You know, they were giving up you know thirty something, thirty four points a game, and you know obviously that wasn't acceptable, and you know. Justin Montgomery, the defensive coordinator there, um, not anymore, but he's moved on now. But, you know, he just talked about how, you know, that was a guy that, that did a lot of things for him. Um, you know, he's a hard worker. Um, you know, he's always going to show up and do his job. And, and um, you know, that from, from all indications, from talking to the coaching staff there, you know, they just say he's just a real joy to coach. And um, he's got some versatility as well. I mean, he's he uh, saw some time later in the year at, at tight end. Um, and, and, you know, he had some big, he had some big catches in region games and some, some catches in the state playoffs as well. So, um, he's a guy that can help on both sides of the ball, uh, if needed and, and has some leadership qualities as well that I think will serve him at the next level. And Shane, I wanted to mention that one of the things that coach Mike Houston, East Carolina is committed to is the run. He's been talking about that over and over again on the offensive side of the ball and the old cliche about He's old school as far as running the football and, and defense, um, something we haven't seen in quite a while. Uh, as far as the tight end position under the previous administration, as far as Scotty Montgomery is concerned, uh, I used to joke with the guys on the podcast that we, the tight end position, you remember that, Bubba? It's like irrelevant. So I, I think that he, I think if he does come to East Carolina, they'll take a, a really strong look at putting him possibly at uh, tight end if he plays tight end because they're really making a commitment at that position we haven't seen in probably a number of years. 
Yeah, and he's you know he's a he's a big guy, and and you know I think he'll only he'll only get bigger. I mean, six one two fifteen, but you know you could see he easily probably could get up, you know, two thirty two forty five. You know he'll start to add some weight, I'm sure, and and you know be more of a factor on that side. So, I mean, I I just want to see like how how he'll be. I know as a linebacker he 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 was excellent, but you know at tight end that was that was kind of a new wrinkle that. You know, I think I don't think a lot of people around the team knew that that he would be kind of a weapon later on. So um, maybe if they can tap into that, we'll see we'll see what kind of threat he becomes there. Kind of a question about both of these guys. Um, I know Javante Sherman also plays basketball. Does he do anything else? Does he run track or anything? And then also Jalen Alderman, is he a multi-sport athlete or? Yeah, as far as I know, I know Javante played basketball. I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about Jalen. Um, but I know with with Javante, I mean, he's he uh, with the basketball team. They actually had a pretty good run this year. I think they finished, I think, twenty four and four, and um, you know, I think made it to the Sweet Sixteen of the state playoffs here. And, and Javante had some good moments for him. Um, good shooter and 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 a, a dynamite athlete. And I'm not quite sure about Jalen Alderman, but I know Javante. You know, that having that extra you know sport really helps him in, in terms of his football as well. He was kind of a late add. Uh, this season. And Shane, one of the things I was going to mention to add real quick, Bubba, is the fact that we have guys that are on our podcast a lot, uh, like uh, o- older guys and younger guys from the state of Georgia, Alabama, Florida. Uh, I wanted to ask you real quick, is there anybody that maybe a guy that's not on the radar? One of the great things about our university at East Carolina is the fact that we're taking guys that are, we're known many times over guys that didn't get highly recruited, even though these two guys are. Whether guys that are in like a diamond in the rough, so to speak, I hate to use that cliche, um, that maybe that are not on the radar of some folks, say at East Carolina or colleges that are not in the state of Georgia. Yeah, well, I mean, um, you know, in terms of um, you know certain guys, I know um, across town here we have Lowndes High School. Um, you know, they have they have one of the one of the more intriguing prospects in the state. I think he's going into his junior year. Their quarterback, Jakari Brown. Um, kind of a guy that that has been mostly a, a running style quarterback. Where he's such a big kid. I mean, six three, you know, two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds coming up. I mean, big, strong kid that can really fly. Um, and I think he has potential as a passer. He has a couple years under a new coach that'll have more of a more of a pro style system to see if you know if he develops as a passer. Um, he's already gra- you know grabbing. Uh, you know, some headlines from, I think, Ole Miss and some other schools, um, you know, in terms of that off the high, uh, you know, in addition to Sherman, I mean, they've, you know, they have some some other linebackers that um, that they're trying to get recruited. Uh, Jacquez McGowan had a Savannah State offer. Uh, Chris McLean, who kind of was a converted linebacker, I want to say he was a he was a quarterback at Brooks County, and then um, they kind of converted him to linebacker and so he he kind of has the body type to kind of grow into being a Division One caliber linebacker, you know, long armed and and can really do some things. So um, those are some guys that that you know, as the seasons you know, hopefully get back to get back you know going. That um, those will be some guys that start to get some attention and 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 start pulling in offers as well. Kind of shifting away from the East Carolina football <clears throat> recruiting talk and just recruiting talk in general. Um, I know you're a Valdosta State alum, class of 2015, so just uh, that program is one that's so um, 
steeped in tradition with football. And then also I know you, there's been success on the hardwood with basketball, a tremendous young coach right now with Blake Justice. So um, let's start with football. And you think, and when I think about Dallas State, I think back to the early to mid-90s and Hal Mummy and Mike Leach being there. And then Chris Hatcher, who played quarterback, I believe, for them. Uh, he became the head coach, now the head coach at Sanford. And uh, you guys won a national title at the Division II level here just uh, two years ago. So um, talk about the Blazers and uh, what's anticipated this year. Man, I tell you, it's, it's been quite a run uh, for Dallas State football. I mean, they've – you know, they had Kerwin Bell there, you know, ex-Florida Gator um, as their head coach in 2018. You know, I think he was only there three years. And, you know, they I think they, they had a kind of tough year his first year, and they kind of got better as they went. And, you know, 2018 was a crazy run. Um, you know, top-scoring football team in the nation. I think they averaged like 52 points a game. And, I mean, they were just stomping teams left and right. And just the team just, just overflowing with talent. And so, you know, when they won the national championship in 2018, obviously, uh, Coach Bell wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't long for Valasta after that. Um, South Florida came and he joined, uh, Charlie Strong's staff there. Obviously, that didn't go well, given that those guys left pretty much after the next season. But, you know, they, they still had, they still have a ton of talent. Um, they have a, a Harlan Hill trophy finalist and Rogan Wells, who's become one of the top, top quarterbacks in Division Two. Um, you know, and then, you know, they have a lot of other guys that that can really play. I mean, their backup quarterback is 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 a guy that, that breaks games for them, uh, Ivory Durham. Um he's a guy he's only about only about five nine, five ten, but you know, he's a guy that can that can really throw the ball downfield and one of the one of the most athletic guys in division two. Um but they have a ton of talent. Last year they they had an undefeated run. Um I think they got into the second round of the playoffs before they lost to West Florida, who ended up winning, you know, winning the national championship. So I think they still have a ton of talent. They still have Rogan coming back. Uh, they have they have great receivers, uh, Kenny Benjamin, Leandre Gallimore, guys that played really well in the national championship game when they won a couple of years back. So um, their window is still wide open. Uh, Coach Gary Goff there, he actually played for Hell Mummy uh, in the mid-'90s. Uh, as a slot receiver, he, you know, he, you know, the the staff is, you know, they're trying to get the most out of the talent that they've inherited, and you know, last year they kind of came under some fire. You know, a lot of a lot of people thought they were a little more conservative. Um, the year they won the national championship, they were super aggressive. You know, they they went for it. Um, you know, they still they still produced at the same you know level in terms of yardage and things like that. May not have been as as you know, aggressive and, and prolific, but they still, you know, scored a lot of points and, and did their thing. So um, I think they're still expected to be up there and be contenders. Um, you know, hopefully they can learn from some things that may have hurt them this year, but I think that window is still open for another, you know, season or two uh, for them to play for a national championship and, and, and be one of the top teams in the country. And you mentioned Kerwin Bell, like you said, on that, Unfortunately, didn't work out for him down at USF, but I, I did see here in the last couple of days where uh, Kerwin Bell, um, not as far as his hiring, I'm not sure when that took place, but I, I just noticed that he uh, got on as an analyst with Dan Mullen at Florida, so so that's awesome opportunities for him. Yeah, he's, he's you know one one thing about him, you know he he says you know we want we want to play fast and score faster. I think that's that's. The, you know, kind of the thing that they wanted, and 
you know, it, it's a shame it didn't work out at USF. Um, you know, a lot of people were were kind of sad to see him go from Valdosta State because his personality kind of fit, you know, the way that, you know, how they won was how Kerwin, you know, kind of carried himself. And, you know, it, you know, help, hopefully, you know, him going back to Florida, I mean, if he, if he can't be the head coach there, at least he can, you know, help them, you know, try to get more success. And Shane, let's talk about, I wanted to ask about, as far as Valdosta and about the facilities, can you talk about those of us that obviously um, we haven't been there yet to Valdosta State? What are the facilities like for these young guys, recruits coming in? Oh, phenomenal. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're adding new things all the time. Um, with the basketball team, I mean, they have, they have the complex that opened in 1983. Um, when you, when you can get a lot of people in there and loud and, all the things they do on game days for the basketball team, it's, it's really one of the top atmospheres, um, you know, in college sports. Um, you know, they, they win there, uh, the last 15 years with their, with their high, with their, uh, basketball team, at least the men's basketball team. I think they're 185 and 41 over the last 15 seasons at home. Wow. They are unbelievable at home. They hardly lose and, you know, it's it's a crazy uh, home home you know home court advantage. Um, in terms of you know the facilities, they just built the VSU Athletic Fieldhouse here over the last I think maybe six seven years. Um, you know, it's a top notch facility. I mean, they got they have practice fields all over the place. You know, really cool locker room stuff, new weight room. Um, a lot of people. That's the first thing they look at. Obviously, the campus is gorgeous there. You know, Spanish mission style stuff and. Um, you know, on top of the campus, just just those facilities and, and how they do business there, it's it's definitely attractive to a lot of people when they come there. And tell us about the atmosphere with Valdosta having so much success and tradition. Uh, uh, I think your football stadium seats what about eleven or twelve thousand. Uh, tell us what that atmosphere is like on a typical game day. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting because you know they actually share they actually share the uh, the football field with Valdosta High School. So it's, you know, Valdosta High School, you know, rules the day on on Fridays, and then, you know, Valdosta State takes over on Saturday. Um, it's been one of those things that's been kind of a kind of a adjustment period. Um, you know, I think the year they won the national championship, the attendance was going up, and, you know, a lot of that is, is just, you know, trying to get people more involved. Um, you know, when they, when they were winning, it was a crazy atmosphere. You know, everybody was, was hyped about it. Last year, I thought the attendance took some dips a little bit. Um, but in terms of the on-field product, you know, they, they did everything they could to, to put on a show and, and, and get people there to, to, to pay attention and, and cheer them on. So, um, I think they're still growing there. Um, hopefully that'll be something that's, that starts to come, come about, but, you know, when you look at when you look at that basketball team, I mean, I think maybe ten years ago when they when they really were having big deep runs, um, you know, that was that was a place where you could pack it to the top and you know get you know get almost three thousand four thousand people in there. So, um, you know, the football team still still trying to earn a little bit of that respect in terms of attendance, but the on field product has been has been stellar. And Shane, I know with. Uh... With Valdosta State being Division Two, are there any talks of uh, are the fans wanting? It seems like all the people are never satisfied as far as going up a level. Would they be interested, interested in going to, say, FCS in the near future? 
that's, that's been something that's been tossed around a lot. Um, you know, just talking with their athletic director, Herb Reinhardt, over the last few years, like, it's a move that they've, they've, they've danced, they've danced with, they've thought about it. Um, you know, I think, I think they kind of like where they are. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you could be, you could be a big fish in a small pond or you could come in and be, you know, a minnow in, in, in a really big, you know, ocean of things where you're just getting tossed around by everybody. So, um, I think they kind of like where they are. Um, you know, it, it's been those things. It comes up every time they win a championship or have a good season. Everybody's like, hey, you guys going D1? Um, cause we've seen teams in their conference do the same thing. Uh, North Alabama is Division One now. Um, both in basketball, I think, and in football as well. Um, so, I mean, they, they've, they, they've been, they've had the opportunity, I think. I just don't think it's something that they really want to do right now. Tell us about Blake Justice on the men's basketball coach. I know, I'm pretty sure I saw on your Twitter account that you had written a piece on him and I, um, didn't have a chance to read the entire article, but I read enough where it's pretty intriguing on what he's right around 30 years old and extremely successful. Yeah, he's, um, you know, he was a great player at Velocity State. Um, I think he played, uh, three years there, um, over a thousand points. Um, you know, he, he had a really great career. Um, I want to say he was an all conference player his senior year as well. And, um, you know, just, just had a lot of respect from people in that conference. Um, his brother, Bo, um, had a terrific career at, at Veloster State, uh, also joined the 1,000 point club. And I think his senior year, you know, had, you know, broke the single game record for scoring that it stood, I think, since 1980 or 75, something like that. Um, you know, it's a basketball family. And, you know, his, he is, you know, they both played at the same high school back in Peebles, Ohio. You know, they hold a lot of records there. Their sister, JC, is probably going to be better than them. Um, she's, she's, uh, starting to pick up steam in her basketball career as well. So, you know, but looking at Blake, um, like I said, great player at Austin State. And, you know, I think he, he kind of, he actually had a career in Germany. He was about to, he was playing in Germany. And then I think he got hurt over there and came back. And then Bo transferred over to Valosta State. So he said, well, I guess I should coach, you know, get a chance to coach his brother. And, um, you know, that ever since, ever since Blake has come on there as an assistant, they've kind of, they've won over, you know, won over almost 25 games a year. Um, they've been one of the top teams in Division Two, And, you know, I, I knew when he was playing there that he would be a coach. You know, just, just talking to him, he's a really sharp guy, high basketball IQ. And, um, you know, he's a big part of the success they've had because of, because of that basketball IQ, how he can relate to players. Um, I think, you know, his ability to get those guys to buy into the vision that they have over there at Valdosta State and, you know, his his experience as a player, those guys really respect him, and I think that's big in terms of recruiting and, and how they get the guys that they get. And, Shane, as far as uh, Valdosta State, uh, non-football and basketball, can you talk about the other sports you guys have there locally? Uh, we always try when we have a guest on to – Give you it's kind of like you're like the chamber of commerce, if you will, for your school. So can you uh, tell us uh, some more about Valdosta State? Maybe the, I guess, the enrollment and obviously the non, I guess, football sports. Yeah, so um, you know, there the tennis team uh, there is really good. Uh, softball as well. Um, I think both tennis and softball won national championships in 2012. 
Um, softball has been a perennial power there for a long time. Uh, head coach Thomas Macera has been there for a while, and you know he's won. He's won everywhere he's gone. He's he's just been super successful there. Um, the Valdosta State baseball team, uh, you know, before before COVID shut everything down, I think they were nationally ranked. Uh, I forget where they were um, in terms of how they finished the season, but um, you know, I think they finished in the top twenty. Uh, in the in the in the poll in the nation, um, like I said, tennis is, is has always been stellar. Um, you know, and, and you know, softball, baseball has been how they've been. So uh, those are the main sports there. Uh, I think I think football football is like the main thing. Uh, you know, basketball's basketball's probably been the the most successful sport, other than football. And then uh, the women's basketball program has been strong as well. Um, I think they won the Gulf South Conference uh, back in 2017. Um, so that, that's been a team that's been on the rise as well. So those are the main sports that that are flourishing there. Um, you know, volleyball had you know had, volleyball had good years, uh, and then they made some coaching changes, and so they're they're kind of on their way back. Um, but yeah, you know, the athletic programs at Valdosta State are are unusually successful um, a lot of people just think it's just football or just basketball but you know they've they've won a lot of games in a lot of different sports obviously Valdosta State and everything going on in that area is your focus um but um, before we let you go let's maybe do a little lightning round if you will on uh, just talking uh, briefly about some of the other programs in the state the FBS level and obviously you have Georgia and Georgia Tech, but then also Georgia Southern and Georgia State, and we'll touch on them as well. But uh, let's start off with, you know, Georgia. You, you have, uh, I mean, the Bulldogs have been knocking on the door and uh, on the verge of a national title here for a few years under Kirby Smart, but now they have a new offensive coordinator coming in and then um, also a grad transfer quarterback from Wake Forest and Jamie Newman. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Georgia this year? How do you see the Bulldogs fair? You know, I, I think you know it's it's been one of those things. It's it's every year. You know, Georgia fans think of this is the year. This is the year. Um, the the you know the loss to Alabama was crushing, but I don't think it it's hurt them as much as say you know the Falcons when they lost to New England. You know that I don't think they've been the same since. I think Georgia still has a chance to contend. Um, it was a nice pickup for them to get Jamie Newman after losing Jake Fromm, and then. You know, not having Justin Fields who transferred away as well. So, um, you know, a, a kind of a dual threat quarterback, you know, should give them added dimension there. And, you know, a guy that, that was really successful, you know, playing at Wake, I think he threw for, you know, a little less than 3,000 yards and almost 30 touchdowns at Wake Forest the last time he played. So I think a lot of people are, are excited about that pickup, especially with the new offensive coordinator coming in. Uh, a program that had been on the opposite end of the spectrum here in the last couple of years, Georgia Tech, um, Jeff Collins entering his second year. Things were a really tough go of it, and that wasn't surprising with them moving from the triple option into uh, Jeff Collins' system. But at the same time, uh, you saw them gain confidence, as you would have expected, as the year wore on and start to have some more success. And so um, what do you see for the Yellow Jackets? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how, how they do – you know, in, in year two under Jeff Collins, um, you know, like you said, they didn't have, they didn't have a great year, um, you know, three and nine, I think they went two and six in the ACC. 
Um, but they did, they did get that overtime win against Miami, which, I mean, Miami wasn't, you know, lighting the world on fire, but I mean, that's, that's still, that's probably one of their signature wins of the season. Um, you know, with, with the COVID-19 and, and how that's affected a lot of things. I think, you know, if anything, if any second year coach, you know, would have a reprieve for having maybe a, a subpar second year, um, I think this is, this is the year that they get that reprieve. Um, but, I think I think Jeff Collins is trying to get them in the right direction. I think they'll I think they'll they'll probably increase that win total uh, sooner rather than later. It's a great right. program. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. <clears throat> I was just going to say, uh, Shane, you when you think about high school football and you think about Atlanta, the state of Georgia. I mean, a, a guy like him could come in and with the brand name of Georgia Tech. Uh, you have there many many years a great university. If you look at being where it is in Atlanta, but also the fact the education you're going to get if you're a student athlete, if you're thinking about that, and and you have an opportunity now to, uh, like you said, uh, guys can probably come in and really compete for jobs and, and play versus a system where um, in Alabama, Georgia, where they're winning all the time, you might be second or third string, even if you're really, really good because they have so much depth, right? Yeah, yeah and, I, and, and that's the thing. I mean, people want to play. They don't want to come in and, and sit. Um, you know, it's better, you know, when you can go to a place and, and compete in earnest for a job. Um, I think a lot of kids are, are kind of reevaluating that process. You know, it's not so much about the name in terms of, you know, you know, status and all that. I think a lot of people realize, hey, you know, there's still these other places that have tradition that I can go and, and get a chance to play and get a chance to shine. Whereas, you know, if you go to an Alabama or a Georgia, you may not get that time because they're so loaded every year. So, um, you know, I think it's good for for the the Georgia Southerns, the Georgia Techs, uh, those places that that can can probably scoop up a lot of this talent. That you know, if they can get through to those kids early and and really sell what their you know what their program is about, that they can they can make something happen there. Um, I, obviously, our primary focus, Shane, is East Carolina, and the Pirates are headed to Atlanta this year to take on Georgia State um, at what used to be Turner Field and the home of the Braves. But uh, Sean Elliott, he's done a tremendous job building that program. And um, last year they knocked off Tennessee in the season opener, and he's taken the Panthers to a couple of bowl games. And I think this is, what, at least year four, maybe year five for Coach Elliott. But he's he's the guy that uh, he played at Appalachian, also uh, was a long-time staffer there at App State, and then he had a long stint, uh, a very successful stint at uh, South Carolina under Steve Spurrier as well. So um, what do you what do you think is going to be in store for the Panthers in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, they went seven and six last year. I mean, the season didn't didn't necessarily go out on in a you know in a big you know, you know, a lot of times the team, if they end the season well, you know, you may have a team that struggles and they win, you know, three, four games in a row at the end of the year. You know, last year, you know, they gave up 38 points in, in two different games at the end of the season, lost the bowl game. So um, I think I think there's a bounce back coming. Um, you know, like you said, that that big win against Tennessee last year. Um, I think they have some I think they have some pieces there where they can actually do something. And then uh, lastly. Um, also in the Sun Belt, you have Georgia Southern, such a proud football tradition there in Statesboro. Um, Chad Lunsford has done an excellent job, uh, won 10 games a couple seasons ago, uh, won seven last year in a very kind of strange up-and-down season. But uh, one of the things that they've really 
been able to accomplish the last two years is taking down App State both times, uh, and the Mountaineers had obviously only lost maybe three or four games total in those two seasons. So, um, and, and that's a rivalry that dates back to the old Southern Conference days. And so, what do you see this year for Georgia Southern? You know, I think you know he he got it. He got a little confidence from them. I think they actually recently just um, extended him through 2024. Um, you know, they I think they're rewarding him for the success they've had. Um, you know, I think they were a two-win program or something like that uh, when he took over. So, um, anytime anytime you can you see a coach get extended, you know, especially how the carousel goes with coaches these days. Um, I think uh, I think he I think good things are in store there. You know, he's. He's he's already shown he can win there, and um, you know by them extending him, I think they they believe that he can win big there as well. So, um, you know, I think what a couple years removed from a ten win season. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're that far off from from equaling that. And Shane, obviously, we want people uh, being that I know you do outstanding work. Can you tell people about where they can find your work, and certainly um, there for for uh, the newspaper, but also for your social media? Yeah. So. Um, you know, obviously, if you, if you want to find if you want to find my stories, uh, you can go to uh, valoftedailytimes dot com uh, and check out our sports section. Uh, you know, we've taken a little bit of hit with with COVID, as a lot of people have, but you know, we're trying to keep content uh, you know pumping through and um, you know keeping that built. Um, you can also find me on social media. I'm on I'm on Facebook. Um, you can just find me Shane Thomas on Facebook. Also, if you want to find me on Twitter, um, at it's a Thomas thing. Um, I, I share a lot of my articles and things like that on there as well. So um, those are where you can find me on socials. All right, Shane, thank you so much. We appreciate the you've been generous with your time. We appreciate it so much uh, for today. And uh, certainly good luck uh, to Valdosta and all the teams there in Georgia. And we look forward to having you back on the program real soon. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot for having me. I um, appreciate you guys. And, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing how, how Eastern, Eastern Carolina does. And, and uh, if you guys need me anymore, just let me know. Thank you very much, Shane. Appreciate you very much, man. And uh, definitely he's uh, a wealth of knowledge, of course, of Valdosta and pretty much anything. He he, uh, he was generous as far as uh, talking outside of his beat, so to speak, with uh, Georgia football and all that. And um, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, I, I, don't, uh, I don't normally keep up with recruiting uh, like I should. Um, Steve and I go from voicethecolors.net. Um, I know uh, another person following recruiting, uh, our friend, we'll get him back on soon, um, also from Rivals, Mark Lindsay, a really good guy. Um, he's another one's following recruiting. There's so many people that are following recruiting, and I think I got to a point where <laughs> um, recruiting uh, was about the only thing I had. I had. We always talked about we have to sell hope right now when we had the Montgomery, I think that's the one good thing about Montgomery is that I started to follow the program closer as far as recruiting. Um, I've never been one to look at stars, um, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm extremely excited. I wanted to say that when I wanted to go ahead and get an interview first. I'm extremely, extremely excited, Bubba, with um, the job Mike Houston's doing. I know everybody probably thinks we get paid and we, we're like, his, uh, like a fan club. We don't. I just think we recognize talent. And I had somebody... The other day, I've heard this. I want to address this real fast, Bubba. Um, people keep saying to me, well, Mike Houston's only going to be with you. Fans of East Carolina and non-East Carolina fans, Mike Houston's only going to be with you for a few years. I said, well, guess what? If he is, most likely that means that we're going to be winning big time 
And if he leaves the program, you know what? He's most likely every program he's left, he's left in a better. Um, he's left better, and they're still successful all the way to his high school days of coaching. So everybody that you talk to that we have on that we've had on the show, they're bragging about Matt Houston. I just want to make that um, point to folks. Don't worry about if a coach is going to be here for very long um, or not. That doesn't matter. All I care about is that the program to be winning um, eight, nine ball games a year. That's pirate football. Three and nine is not pirate football, and uh, it's like the reverse. We're we're used to winning eight and four, nine and three, and now we're three and nine. You know. Yeah, like you're saying, I'm certainly no need to to dwell on that. Uh, if well, I fully expect Coach Houston and his staff to get it turned around, and um, if that time comes, then it does. But um, like you said, that means the program is uh, leaps and bounds better than he found it uh, because I'd much rather have him moving on after three or four years because he's had uh, back-to-back eight, nine, ten-win seasons than uh, because of the alternative um, in um, moving moving on because we had to fire him after, after nine wins. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no doubt. But anyway, after nine wanted... wins in three seasons, that is. Yeah, I was going to say, with the, yeah. uh, if he had nine wins, he would still be here because that's. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. Um, to me, I want to get your opinion on this. So we can move on. To me, pirate football is seven to nine wins. That's the barometer you need to look at as far as a success of a coach. Anything less than seven, uh, you got to be nervous about. And I think it, obviously that seven, eight, nine wins is pirate football. And then we have every once in a while a special season. And I believe, I still, I always say it wrong, but I will say it right today. New Year's Six Bowl is what we need to be focused on. I believe, in my honest opinion, I said year four, and we're under year two. So notice I'm saying that. I didn't say this year. I said year four. I really believe Mike Houston will get us where we're at. We have a shot at it. And that's all we're asking for is to get the program back to where we're the best team and um, the group of five, and I hate to use that term, but that's what we have to live with right now. But I really believe we're going um, to go there. I don't know. I sound like Cliff Kai when talking about Omaha. I don't know when it's going to be, but I really think that you give coach, be patient, folks. Be patient. I know we've had five straight losing seasons, but I really believe that year four under Houston is when we uh, – three is when next year, 2020, we're going to have one of the oldest teams. But by year four, it's going to be even older and well, another recruiting class. And uh, I think, you know, uh, somebody said, like I was saying, you know, what if Houston's only here four or five years? Well, if you look at what he's already done with uh, building the culture, he's doing that. He's getting his guys in. Tremendous coaching staff. I really believe in Blake Harrell. And, you know, Bob, I said it before, and I know I'm on <laughs> rambling a little bit, but I'm trying not to. But you look at Blake Harrell, I'm telling you guys, the offense is going to be tremendous. Uh, you're an offensive guy, more of a defensive guy, but I think the offense is going to be much better this year if we can just improve on that defensive line and if we can just uh, improve the defense. It doesn't have to be a top 50 defense for us to go bowling. So um, what do we have to be in the, what, top 80? It's like 40-some bowls. So if we can um, have a top, what, 80 defense even, um, a little bit of improvement would be uh, great, and then uh, we'd have a shot at going to a bowl. Yeah, um, last year we, even though we struggled uh, for a big part of the time on defense, and we did a, a better job of forcing turnovers. Right. So uh, hopefully that trend will continue this year, even more so. And uh, we'll, we'll maybe not necessarily to this level as far as the quality of the defense for sure. But um, you think back to some of our 
better teams, not surprisingly, there in the, the mid-90s, like the 95 and 96 teams, and we were forcing 30 to 35 turnovers. So uh, ho- hopefully we'll this year uh, have a opportunity to put the ball in our offense's hands more. No doubt. And, again, I'm very excited with the program. I just want to reiterate that over and over again. Um, we talk about season tickets, folks. You better get your tickets. Or even if uh, – I'll tell you this, I don't know how they're going to do it, Bubba, how – I was going to say this earlier, but how do you think uh, would we even be able to to offer single game tickets? It's going to be really interesting. That's not something you have to answer. I have an answer to today because I don't know, but it's something I thought about over the weekend is uh, are we going to be able to do single tickets? Uh, Maybe we can get Ryan Robinson back on in the next week or so or John Gilbert uh, to talk about that very thing uh, about if if they know anything or you know, one of the questions that comes up to me, I've had another thing on the street, kind of man-on-the-street question for me with Pirate Nation is um, that people are asking me, do I think it's going to start August 29th? I'll tell you what I know. Um, I think that Kyle is probably right. It may be delayed a month, but I will say this. Um, if there's any way possible that we can start the season, it's going to be August 29th. And until the kind of person I am, Bubba, and you know that you're very busy being a dad and a husband and all the stuff you're doing and, and work and all that and coaching and all that is until we hear that it's not August 29th, we need to prepare all of us, including doing a show that the season starts August 29th. And um, until I hear different, that's the way I'm, I'm uh, my mindset. We're starting August 29th. Yeah. And that's certainly how, how you have to prepare for it. And then as, as an administrator, especially you have to comp- have to prepare for those uh, contingency plans too and uh, have a plan A, B, C, and D. But uh, as far as that goes, we'd love to have John Gilbert or Ryan Robertson back on the show to talk about um, the possibilities on how that would be handled as far as ticket distribution. And um, let's say even if um, you had that low capacity of 12.5 or 13,000, if it was right around 25%, uh, you would you would still be in a situation where even if you do have season single game tickets available, there obviously wouldn't be many because there couldn't be. So that that drives home our point of buying season tickets even more so. Absolutely, folks. I'm telling you guys, I've got to uh, do that. Let's talk about the. Uh, we got a couple more things to talk about. We'll wrap it up. But Bubba, you you sent it to me today, and I missed it yesterday apparently, but. Um, there's so much. Uh, let me say this about the administration that I love. The social media that they're doing is superb. Um, I always say when I agree with something, I'm going to brag about it. When I'm not happy, I'll offer constructive criticism. I do love the administration. Um, the the social media has been superb. And these uh, We the East videos are awesome. And then, Bubba, you brought to my attention yesterday. I wanted you to talk about it um, in case people didn't see it to go back and look at it. But there was a video with everything going on with George Floyd, we're not going to get into that. But in response to that, there was a great video that the team put out at East Carolina over the weekend. Sure. I mean, with everything that's going on in our world right now, I mean, you'd have to be living under a rock not to be aware. So we're not, there's no need for us to rehash all that. Uh, people can certainly form their own opinions, but I, I was tremendously excited and just, it, like I responded on Twitter uh, un- under at ECU Pirates FB's post um, or tweet, I should say, 
and they they tweeted a 45 second video that had several members of the team and just talking about what it was like inside our locker room um just in terms of treating everyone with respect having the highest of expectations and and uh, so forth and the highest of standards for humanity i mean treating people um with kindness and respect and um, just the way you want to be treated, and regardless of of race, socioeconomic background, etc., just just treat people right and do people the right way. And um, and then if you do, you're gonna put yourself in a in a great spot to, to have success, uh, no matter what it is, whether it's a football team or business or whatever. No doubt, and uh, I mean the stories we're hearing, and we're not gonna get into all those, but I, I just want to say this. <laughs> I'm just amazed at the ignorance, and I'll, and I'll say ignorance, um, of people. Um, we have coaches doing crazy stuff, and um, not us at East Carolina. Don't let me, let me be careful on that. Not at East Carolina that I know of. But when I say coaches, I mean, generically speaking, there's some that are really ignorant that are uh, saying dumb things, and you and I were talking about before, Bubba. I mean, I just can't imagine. I hope that some of the stuff that reports we're hearing is not true. But then again, I know the reality is that I know better. <laughs> um, and I'm just hoping that with the George Floyd situation, um, what I want to see, I pray for, I'll just tell everybody this uh, off of uh, sports just real fast. Every day I pray for our country. Every day I pray for unity. And I don't use that word way too much. It's overused. But I really do want the um, our country to be the United States of America. Um, I think it's been for a number of years the divided states of America, and I don't make it the political objective. But I'm hoping that this will be like a rallying cry for us where sometimes you have to, in our country or life period, you have to get hit between the eyes. And I don't mean to be violence, but just the fact that, to, uh, in other words, it'll be a wake-up call on how we live our life and, um, you know, I was mentioning Bubba about COVID, but we could also talk about what's been going on recently. Um, if there's ever been a time uh, for people to have God in their life, uh, man, now is, uh, I know you and I, Kyle, we're believers, and I hope that people will um, really believe in God because I think that with the Floyd family, we know someone, uh, we're not going to mention their name, that's uh, in his family, a first cousin, that a uh, friend of the podcast, a friend of ours, that we're praying really hard for him and his family. and. Um, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes it takes knowing someone. So like COVID for people that there are people that don't believe COVID exists, <laughs> which is I work at a hospital. I can tell you it's, it's real, folks. I've had a couple friends, their fathers, two guys, their fathers, my high school friends, their their fathers uh, had had got COVID. They're, they're both recovered, but they both caught it. So it's real um, for the people that don't think it's real, for the people to say reopen the state. Um, you know, you can do that, but um, I'm not get off my COVID tangent, but um, it's really amazing the stuff that's going on. And I hope um, that I was t- telling you, Bubba, about with Cliff Godwin, I feel bad for him. Um, I, I think the world of coach, personally and professionally, always, you know, you always hear the cliche about a coach that would uh, you would love to have a beer with. I think Cliff, uh, any of the coaches we have would be awesome, but um, Cliff would be amazing and um I really believe that he's going to Omaha. It's sad that we don't get a chance to see that happening. We would normally, folks, be doing shows about the upcoming, this would be what, Super Regional time, Bubba? Yeah, this would have been Super Regional weekend. Yeah, yeah. so 
And then we have coming up a College World Series, and we know that's not going to happen. So, um, Bubba, again, do you want to talk about our, uh, our our programming before we go? Yeah, very quickly before I do that, uh, just a little okay. bit more on that uh, that clip. And we we retweeted it on at the Sports OBJ, but again, it's at ECU Pirates SB. And um, they've actually tweeted it multiple times because you've had players responding with um, just comments about how proud they are to be associated with East Carolina football with the environment and chemistry that we have in our locker room. Because um, I know I know Malik Fleming, a defensive back, was was one that commented on it, and um, they retweeted that. Uh, but definitely check it out. It's something I watched probably four or five times. Just it was so short, but it was to the point. And uh, really, really hit the nail on the head with everything we're currently going through as a society, and uh, just gave me chills and made me proud to be a pirate. I'll, I'll say that. And as as far as um, that gener- that issue, generally speaking, uh, just treat people with respect. Treat people how you want to be treated, e- even though you, there are differences there. And that's just that's part of it. I mean, when, I mean, it'd be such a boring place and and uh, such a boring world if everybody. You know, it was cut from the same cloth, and, and right. yet, yes, it can be frustrating, to say the least, sometimes when you don't agree with somebody on an issue, but uh, don't make it a personal thing. And, and, you know, just treat people with respect, even if you have pre- some pretty extreme differences, because like you were starting to say a minute ago, I just I believe one day that uh, we'll certainly be accountable for how we, how we treat everyone, uh, regardless of... Uh, Yep. Whether it's uh, someone of our same race, I mean, I mean, I mean, it does, does not matter. I mean, white, black, and regardless of all those things, you treat people the way they're supposed to be treated. And if we don't, then uh, one day we'll have to account for our actions for sure. But uh, as far as our upcoming content um, on Tuesday, we'll be catching up with Gold Glove winner and Major League Baseball All Star Brett Boone. You hear that Boone family name. Um, they, they had a grandfather, uh, I believe it was Ray Boone, who had played in the big leagues. Then, of course, Bob Boone. Uh, and then um, Brett's brother, Aaron, is the manager of the Yankees. So tremendous baseball family. I'm going to really enjoy that conversation with Brett. And then also former East Carolina wide receiver and CEO of the Next Level Fight Club, which is based out of Greenville. Lamont Chapel will join the program. Uh, and that's at 7 o'clock on Tuesday. And then Wednesday night at 7, we'll have our Pat Dye tribute show. We'll catch up with Pat Dye Jr., who certainly made a name for himself as well as a sports agent. Um, very well known in that regard. But um, we'll talk about his father and his tremendous coaching career and just larger-than-life impact on so many uh, student-athletes as well as uh, fellow coaches, etc. cetera. Um, we'll also catch up with Coach Ruff, uh, Wayne Bolt, who spent – decades in the college football coaching profession terry gallagher who is certainly no stranger to the podcast touchdown tony collins and jimbo walker and then there may be another surprise or two as far as guys that had an association with coach die and then um, also uh, here in the coming shows within the next week or week and a half we'll catch up with longtime head coach bill curry and then also uh, east carolina alum, uh, Elon Law alum, and then also um, he's now Deputy Director of Athletics down at Winthrop, uh, so basically second in command there with the Eagles, uh, Hank Harewood will join us. So a lot of excellent content headed your way over the next 10 days or so. 
no doubt about it, very excited, and there will always be surprises. We've got a lot of great, I'll say this, and then I will I'll wrap it up. Uh, got a lot of, I'll tell you folks, uh, Bubba and I and Kyle, well, three of us are very excited. Um, don't forget about the season ticket sweepstakes. Uh, you can go anywhere and um, your chance to win a pair of tickets. That's going to be awesome. We're, we've got that going on until the, at least uh, June 30th. Uh, so certainly uh, keep, keep that in mind if you're looking for tickets, if you've never gotten them, or maybe looking to chance to win and give them to somebody so we can get new Pirate fans in Dowdy Ficklin. And um, very excited about that contest. And, uh, folks, I'm telling you, this summer we've got a lot of great Bubba. I'm really excited. I'm not going to give any details yet, but we're very excited with a lot of stuff we have coming on that we're working really hard behind the scenes. Yours truly, Bubba, Kyle, there's a whole bunch of people that – um, we count on and that we're going to work on different programming um, behind the scenes, some new stuff, some familiar faces, if you will, uh, things we'll be doing so and some stuff that we've been wanting to do for a long, long time. So I can tell you folks that you are going to be um, blown away by some of the stuff we're going to be doing this summer. And it's all because of that. And by the way, folks, if you have a, I want to mention too, Bubba, if you have an idea, um, you can email me, David um, Richmond at the sportsobjective.com. Um, or you can email the show at thesportsobj at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you if there's an idea for a guest. Maybe you're a guest. Um, you're a former pirate. We would love to hear from a lot of former pirates. Uh, one of the things we get people talk about all the time is they're really happy with us, the former players and stuff. They put on the purple and gold. No matter the sport, we'll have you on. And uh, who knows uh, what will happen with the seasons coming up or the changes we have. Uh, but always keep it right here for breaking news. Bubba, do you have anything before we go? No, also just mark the calendar for those in those two shows this coming week, Tuesday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. And um, obviously, if you're a college football fan, but especially East Carolina or Auburn fan, SEC fan, then uh, you will certainly want to tune in on Wednesday night when we're talking about Pat Dye and the tremendous impact he had on, on uh, college football over the course of about three decades or so. All right. Uh, well, appreciate Shane Thomas, uh, the beat writer there at Valdosta, uh, to let us know about um, all the recruiting there. Very Pirates are doing really well with recruiting. Uh, keep it, um, obviously, there. Our good friend with uh, hoistacolors.net, Stephen Igo. He's the expert on there uh, when it comes to recruiting. And Mark Lindsay from uh, Rivals.com. Appreciate you guys very much. Thank you for the time. And for Bubba Rosenbaum, I'm Dave Richmond, and you've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.